0: Baptist Church. Delighted to see you here. Glad you can join us. Glad you can join us if you are online. Welcome. Uh, we are here to celebrate the presence of the risen Lord Jesus who is with us today. Can I invite you to stand? And today we stand with each other and we recognise that Jesus is in our midst. We affirm our faith in God who loves us and in his love that transforms us and who calls us to work for a transformed world. So let's celebrate the resurrection of Jesus as we sing. Christ the Lord is risen today. part of your wonderfully diverse creation. We are fragile, yet we are fantastic in your eyes. Be present here with us today in all we think and say and do. Meet with us. Make us ready to meet with you. Remake us for the future and shape our hearts and minds that the pattern of our lives may better reflect your love. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit sit down. First exercise is one in sharing, okay? Because we have a number of people who arrived, kind of just verge gone up as 10, and they don't have spoons. So if you have spare spoons on your table, please will you donate them to people on this side of the church so they are not thereby um, disadvantaged. Thank you. Because. I'm sorry that there were a few spoons in the balcony, you might, yeah, okay, but I wasn't sure how many people would be up there, so there's not enough for everyone in the balcony I'm afraid, sorry about that. If you've not got a spoon and you would really like one, please, would you stick your hand up? If you've not got a spoon and you'd really like one, please stick your hand up. Okay, fantastic. Can I invite you, please, to take your spoon and look into the bowl, the hollowed out part of it and see your reflection in the spoon. Hall of Mirrors experience. It will look a little bit chaotic. It will look a little bit grim. But can you see yourselves? Yes. What's different? You're upside down. OK. Older. (laughs) he's older and upside down not having a good day okay do we have any scientists here who can explain to us why when we look in a concave mirror and see our reflection we end up being upside down okay here's a picture okay that's sorted then If you look at the picture, you will see that there is an image of a candle and light from the tip of the candle goes and hits the concave surface and is reflected in such a way that the image ends up being smaller and upside down. So from the top straight across goes down and and downwards bounces back at a different angle. So everything is reversed. Does that make sense? Can you see that? Okay, I'm talking O-level physics, 40 years ago here, this is much. Then ask me what the F's and c stand for. That's something with focal points. David's give me a thumbs up, that's good. I'm also told, actually, that our eyes work like this all the time. Everything we see is actually upside down, but our brain turns it the right way up again, so that we can make sense of it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But sometimes, sometimes we can have a wrong perception Of ourselves. We can get things upside down. Sometimes we may think that we are more important than we really are. Sometimes we may think that we're rubbish and we don't count for anything at all. Whereas in fact we count for a great deal indeed. Do you know, you never, ever see yourself directly you only ever see reflections or pictures of yourself. You never actually see yourself at all. And so there's always a chance that the image that you have of yourself is distorted. Even a photographic likeness is only ever a likeness to who we really are. And you know, when other people look at you, they don't necessarily see you as they really as you really are either, because they might need glasses. Some people find it difficult to see good in other people, and their perception of other people is distorted. The only one, the only one who sees you as you really are, without distortion, is God. He sees you perfectly. He knows you inside out. And he always looks at you through the eyes of love. You are who you are because God made you. And you matter because you matter to God. And part of being a Christian is learning to see ourselves through God's eyes. I am who I am because that's who God made me to be. And I'm going to try and see myself the way God sees me. That's a big thing to take on board and the next one is even harder. I'm going to look at the other people and try and see them through God's eyes as well. And see them as God sees them and loves them, love them as God loves them. Turn the spin around now and look at the other side of it. Hold it a long way away and gradually, slowly bring it closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer. What happens? You get bigger. You get bigger and bigger. Okay. To start off with, if your experience is like mine, and it might not be, but you you can't really see yourself because you're seeing so much of everything else around you. This is the kind of, this is a convex image, this is what they put in car Wing mirrors, so you see a big vision of what's behind you. And that works like this. The light comes in and bounces off at an angle, so you get a broader picture of what is going on. You are seeing a wide area bouncing off the convex surface of the spoon. But if you're like me, as you brought the spoon closer and closer and closer, it began almost to hurt. I had to shut one eye, otherwise it was doing funny things to my brain. Am I the only one to have that experience? No, it made me go cross-eyed and all sorts, it wasn't very nice. And if you bring it right up close you might find it all gets a little bit dark. At least it did for me. Somebody's nodding. It's just me. Thank goodness for that. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes it can hurt to look very closely at who we are. And we don't like what we see and we have to look away. But God's When he looks at you, never, ever looks away. Whatever he sees, he loves you. He never turns his face away from you. In Jesus, your pain becomes his pain. In Jesus, your guilt becomes his guilt. He takes it. He fully embraces you, warts and all, Because he loves you. So think about the images that you see, the distortions that there are, and recognise that God is the only one to see you perfectly and to love you perfectly. Thank him for that. Even the darkness inside, he still loves you and accepts you. So we're going to sing, beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior. You know, Peter had never felt so completely and utterly inadequate in all his life. He'd always been the ringleader. Everyone else had always looked up to him to take the lead. And with, with Jesus not around, everyone was looking to him to tell them what to do. And he didn't know. He didn't have a clue. He felt he'd lost any semblance of authority altogether. He was in a real state. He'd completely blown it. He'd let Jesus down. When push had come to shove, his love and his loyalty to Jesus had failed the test. And in public, three times, he had denied ever knowing who Jesus was. So when the other said to him, Peter, what are we going to do now? He had no idea what to say. I'm going fishing, he said. Well, we'll come with you, he said. Now, fishing was the one thing Peter knew how to do. He'd been a fisherman for years. He'd made a reasonable living out of it before he met Jesus. But that night, when he was feeling pretty rubbish anyway, they fished all night and they caught absolutely nothing. And if Peter had felt a failure before, well, you can imagine how he felt now. Can't even fish now. What a complete waste of space I am. And in the morning, they came back to shore just as the sun was rising, exhausted and frustrated. And as the darkness lifted, they could just make out a figure standing on the beach. Hello, friends, he said. How's your catch? Well, that didn't improve Peter's mood at all. It was one thing to have failed. It was even worse to have to admit that he'd failed. Nothing, he replied. The polite version of his reply is, we fished all night and we caught nothing. (laughs) You can use your imagination. Don't worry, the man said, and he really was annoyingly cheerful. Give it one more go. Just try letting the nets down on the starboard side of the boat. See what happens. Peter had never been very good at doing what he was told. Least of all when he was in a bad mood and a stranger who wasn't a fisherman was telling him what to do. But the other said, Peter, come on. What have we got to lose? so they tried they let the nets down and this time when they pulled them up, or they tried to pull them up, they were absolutely rammed full of fish and suddenly for Peter's friend the penny dropped that guy on the shore it must be Jesus, there's this this other disciple had always been the one closest to Jesus he turned to Peter and said that's Jesus who else would do that and straight away Peter put on his tunic and waded ashore and the others followed him dragging the net full of fish you're just in time for breakfast Jesus said he'd already got some fish of his own from somewhere cooking it for them and some bread on an open fire You can bring some of the fish you've caught as well, he said. So Peter brought them to shore, they counted the fish and found there were 153 big fish there. Huge catch. Yet with the weight of all those fish, the net had not torn as they brought them to shore. And then they all enjoyed a really good breakfast together. Suddenly Things were looking up for Peter and his friends. A new day, a new beginning, a fresh start. Let's sing together, Ian, my wrestling, in my doubts. to them, representing Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. You can have a lot of fun with triangles if you like maths. Anybody here like maths? Ryan, you're here, this is so good, you have a maths degree. This is is a divine appointment, this is brilliant. Okay. What we have here is a magic triangle. And magic triangles work where you place these numbers in these circles in such a way that the numbers on this side add up to the same as the numbers on that side and the same on the numbers on the bottom. All the numbers add up to the same total. It's rather like Sudoku Square in the shape of a triangle. My question is, using numbers 1 to 9, what is the lowest total you can get along all three sides of the triangle? Tim! It's actually Carol. Seventeen. 17. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Yeah, I, I, first time here, I've, con- you, I've contradicted you already. That's not good. Okay. Carol, do you know why it's seventeen?
1: if you add one to nine together, you get forty-five. And then if you put the one, two, and three in the corners, you add them all again because they're in any. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, So, so. You add all these numbers together and that's 45. Yeah. Then you put 1, 2 and 3 in, three the, corners. in the corners.
1: So you have to add those
0: twice. You add those twice, of course, because they counted twice. So
1: 51, in total.
0: 51 in total. 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51. And divide it by 3 and you get 17. Did that make sense to the rest of you? <laughs> She's absolutely right. She's ab- You count these numbers once. And you put the smallest ones in the corners, because you count those numbers twice. So you add numbers 1 to 9 up, and that makes 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, and 51 divided by 3 is 17. Brilliant, thank you. So Carol, as you're here, can you tell us what numbers go on each side? nine and a four, because that makes six, fifteen, no it doesn't work does it, nine and a five, only God is infallible, you can't do mental maths, oh dear, okay. that, met, that, makes, that makes 17, that's good, yep. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Eight next, Eight next to the two. And that will be then... Four. And seven and six up here. Have we done it? Ten, fifteen, seventeen. Ten, seventeen, nine, ten, seventeen. Well done, people. Yes. Seventeen... Sorry, Tim. 17 is the smallest number. You can make 19 as well, but 17 is the smallest number you can make using numbers 1 to 9 round the sides of magic. I'm so glad you're here, Carol. It's brilliant. Thank you. Okay. So, and that's a much better way than the way I had of doing it. Brilliant. You can also have fun with 17 in a different way. Suppose we add. <coughs> 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 all the way up to 17. Do you think we can do that? So 1 plus 2 is? 3. 3 plus 3 is? 6. 6 plus 4 is? 10. 10 plus 5 is? 15. 15 plus 6 is? Twenty-one. Twenty-one plus seven is. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight plus six is twenty eight plus eight is, sorry. Thirty-six. Thirty-six plus nine is 40. we've had that one already. Thank you, Carol. Forty-five. Carol knew that numbers one to nine added together added to forty-five just off the top of her head, which is so impressive. Okay. Forty-five plus ten is. 55. 55 plus 11 is 66. 66 plus 12 78. 78 and 13 91. You're getting quieter. <laughs> 91 and 14 105. 105 and 15. 120, just because he speaks authoritatively, you don't have to believe him, 120 and 16, 136, 136 and 17, did I hear it? 150, David's got it, 153, the number of the big fish in the net. So a lot of people have wondered why there might have been 153 fish in the net. And 153 is the triangle of 17. If you add up the numbers 1 to 17, you get 153. And because Christians liked triangles, because 3 was a special number, they wondered whether actually there's something significant in the fact that the number of fish in the net was the triangle of 17. When the Jews wrote the number 17... They always said 10 plus 7. That's how they wrote it, 10 and 7. 7 is a special number for people who believe in God. Why is 7 a special number for people who believe in God? 7 days of creation, thank you. The rabbis said on the 7 days of creation, God spoke 10 words to make the world. And some of you have got bits of paper with writing on, with yellow uh, highlighted. Um, can I invite you to say on which day God said, it says on that, God said ten times. Okay? So can you find God said ten times on that bit of paper? All right? So day one, what did God say? God said, first day. Let there be light, thank you. Okay, second day. He said a lot, didn't he? Just the first sentence will do. Let there be a space. Expand in the midst of the waters, thank you. Okay, what about day three? Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. But he said two things on day three. What else did he say on day three? And let the dry land appear. Okay, thank you. What about day four?
1: <laughs>
0: I don't think that's day four. <laughs> let there be lights in the expanse. Thank you. That's great. Okay, day five. What did he say on day five? Let the waters swarm with fish and all kinds of other things, okay? And on day six, he said an awful lot, okay? What did he say on day six? Let the earth bring forth living creatures, okay? What else did he say? Let's make man in our image. What else did he say? God said, looking for the words, God said. Be fruitful fruitful and multiply, and one more. Fill the earth earth and subdue it. I'm looking for the words immediately after and God said, because you can't have more than ten. Behold. Behold. So we got to ten? Okay, so we got there in the end. Seven days, ten words, making creation, okay? How does John's gospel begin? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So maybe, just maybe, John starts his gospel with Genesis 1, in the beginning was the word, and he ends it with 10, 10 and 7. 10 words, 7 days, coming back to creation at the end of his gospel. Maybe, just maybe. Okay, there, there are other theories behind the number seven. 17. How many disciples went fishing that morning? Seven, okay. How many were there when Jesus appeared to them and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit? Ten. ten. How come it's only ten? Thomas. Thomas wasn't there and Judas wasn't there. So, ten. So, again, 17 is a significant number at the end of John's Gospel. Do those 17 triangled represent the total number of people in, who believe in Jesus who Jesus keeps safe because the net is brought and none of the fish are lost? as they're brought to the shore. Or maybe, as my wife says, Tim, there were probably just 153 fish in the net. <laughs> it might not be significant at all, all this stuff about 17 and triangular numbers and, and creation and the number of disciples were there. Who knows? We don't know. But whatever it is, I want you to get this. If Peter had felt like giving up on Jesus... I'm just going back to fishing. Jesus wanted to show him that there was no way back. He might have felt like giving up on Jesus, but there was no way Jesus was going to give up on him. Maybe there's a lesson for you there this morning. Let's stand and sing. everyone needs compassion. I I love the way these work and you've got this kind of image on your bits of paper, but if if I draw a line down here, how many dots have I joined? 17. If I go across this way, how many have I joined? No, because I've not done 16. Up here, 15. 15. One. one in the middle. Might you be the one in the middle of all these people here this morning who God wants to say something to? For that people having breakfast with Jesus that morning, Peter was the one that Jesus wanted a word with. So after they'd had breakfast, come on, thank you. Jesus put his arm around Peter and said to him, Simon, son of John, do you really love me more than anybody else here does? And he asked that because Simon had said, you know, even if everybody else denies you, I won't. I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And yet at the end, it was Peter and only Peter who had denied Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, Peter was pretty uncomfortable, really. Come on, Lord, you, you know that I love you, he said. Well, in that case, said Jesus, there's work to be done. I want you to feed my lambs. Come with me a moment, Jesus said to him. I want a word in private. And leaving the others behind, Jesus said to him again Simon, son of John, do you really love me? <laughs> well, yes, Lord. Peter replied. You, you know I love you. Well then feed my sheep, Jesus said to him. And going on a bit further, <coughs> Jesus says to him, Simon John, Simon Son of John, do you love me? And Peter was quite upset now. Lord, you know everything he said. You know that I love you. Well then Jesus replied, Feed my sheep. Three questions. For the three times Peter had denied him. And each time, that you don't see this in many translations, Jesus lowers the standard of the question. Simon Peter, do you really love me more than these do? Simon Peter, do you really love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter gives the same answer each time, yes Lord you know that I love you. And at the end there is a match between the question Jesus asks and the answer Peter gives. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I don't love you more than anybody else. I don't love you with an exceptional love. I'm not brilliant. Lord, I just love you. And Jesus says to him, well, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. I've got work for you to do. I find it fascinating the way Jesus treats Simon Peter here. Here is a man who is absolutely consumed by guilt, who feels a total failure But Jesus wants to set him free. Doesn't want to make him suffer for what he's done. Doesn't want to make him wallow in remorse. Three questions so he can acknowledge the past, the three times he denied him. But Jesus actually focuses on the present. Whatever happened in the past, Simon, do you love me now? Do you love me now? And okay, if that's the case, in the future... I've got a job for you. I want you to feed my lambs and feed my sheep. And whatever lies in your past, whatever rubbish is there, Jesus doesn't want to rake over the ashes of that, dig it all up and make you feel bad. His question simply is, do you love me? Now, with all your failures and your shortcomings, and if so, well, I've got work for you to do. Because he's not given up on you. But Peter had a question. What about him, Lord? What about your favourite disciple? The one who's always got on with you so much better than anybody else. What's going to happen to him? And Jesus politely said to Simon, that's none of your business. What happens to him is no concern of yours. I want you to follow me. And sometimes at church we can spend time looking at all the other people around us. And actually, Jesus says, What about you? Where are you at? Young or old, new or been coming here for a long time. Do you love me? I've got work for you to do. See, the other people don't matter, they're not your concern. They're in the background. But actually it's about you and Jesus. What does Jesus want to say to you this morning? What in your past does he want to forgive you for? And what in the future is he calling you to do for him? Let's sing again for the joys and for the sorrows. a responsive prayer on the screen can I invite you to um, say together the words in yellow as we get to that point let's pray Lord of life we come to you now we want to sit in the warmth of your love just as the disciples sat with you by the fire on the shore some of us carry the burden of guilt and bear the weight of failure. Jesus, Jesus, turn turn our our lives lives around. Some of us are afraid of our past, and fearful of our future. Jesus, Jesus, turn turn our our lives lives around. (coughs) Some of us are desperate for forgiveness, and determined to begin again. Jesus, turn our lives around. For some of us, the mistakes are public. For others of us, only you know what we've done in secret. Jesus, turn our lives around. We pray for ourselves and for one another. May Jesus turn our lives around. And Lord, you've called us to be a sign of hope in a world without hope. A healing community in a broken world. A people of peace in a world at war with itself. A family where we can find forgiveness and forgive others. Forgive us our failures of the past created us a vision of unity and hope, of love and sharing, that we might indeed be the light of the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, could we live like your grace is stronger than all our fears and failures? That's the question. Let's stand and sing this together. So send us out into the world, Lord. Not as perfect creations, but as work in progress. And keep before us the vision of heaven on earth. Your kingdom come. Show us the way of life that's the pattern of Christ. And fill our hearts with the hope and the promise of your ongoing work of transformation in our lives and in your world now and every day. Amen.